Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Grizz fans, 2023-2024 Grizzlies season tickets are on sale now. Season tickets are the best way to guarantee your seats to the biggest matchups at the lowest prices all season long, as well as receive early access to 2023 playoff tickets before they go on sale to the general public. For more information, visit grizzlies.com slash season tickets or call 901-888-HOOP today. Morant with a running start. Welcome to Grits and Grinds, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. My name is Keith Parrish, and I'm joined once again like I am about once a month by Chris Harrington. Chris, how are you? What's up? Are you coming to Memphis? I'm coming to Memphis on uh, the plan is game one. I am not going to stay in Memphis uh, for four days or three days right, <laughs> until, right, right. until Wednesday. I'm not yeah. coming back on Wednesday, but here's the thing. I'm going to LA. Um, so Me too. dude, which games are you, are you going three, and three and four? I am. I mean, the schedule with the Saturday night, Monday, I'm like, this feels like once in a lifetime we get to play. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, this is, if they were playing the Kings, I don't think I'd be there. Or if they were right. playing, I don't know who it is, but I'm like, this is, if I can go see LeBron James in one of his final good seasons, maybe, I mean, maybe he'll, he'll still be playing in five years, yeah. but it feels I, like a once in a lifetime type thing. Uh, and so yeah, I'm going, I'm going for three and four. If there's a game six, I, I probably will not be there for that. Right. But I am going for games three and four. Well, here's the thing. If there's a game six or if the Grizzlies take care of business, 
am I going to travel to the next one? Like, I'm just going to keep losing. It's going to cost me a lot of money. Um, this comes out of the show budget. I'm going to have to cut back on set design and uh, production costs. I didn't budget well, for this. Uh, is what I'm saying, Chris. My, my, my travel is expense, so I don't have to worry right. about that. I just have to worry about whether I get approval to go or not. So exactly. We'll, that's exactly. Well, so I'm the one giving approval for me. Right. So <laughs> it's, right. it's, I don't, yeah. Uh, it's the joy, I guess, the fun of the playoffs. So this matchup, it's a very sexy matchup between the Grizzlies and the Lakers. I think yeah. Grizzlies fans, I feel like we're used to, uh, to being disrespected. I also feel like some Grizzlies fans, maybe not me personally, but I feel like a lot of Grizzlies fans, it's kind of an identity to have this like uh, constant state of disrespect, maybe of like. Why won't we get the recognition we deserve? Is that is that a fair characterization or have I gone too far? Oh, I think fan bases tend to be like that. I, yeah. I, I think from a team perspective, and I don't know if they would, they would probably never say this, but it's probably a slightly more comfortable place to not be an overwhelming favorite to win a playoff series, right? right. Even though you're the two seed, for it to feel like more of a toss-up kind of series probably is a better place to be, you know, in terms of your mentality or approach. It's probably yeah. a more comfortable place to be, I would guess. And... You know, there's a lot of consternation about the award stuff. Of course, we're going to look up and Jared's probably going to win defensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reality is, like, it is a weird situation where, yeah, they're the two seed, but, like, their two best players have both played, like, 60 games and and each has a very different, like, related issue that makes people, like, scratch their heads a little bit. Right. And and so, it like, you know, if I see, like, no Grizzlies on an on an all-NBA ballot, I, I shrug at that. That seems okay. I, I might... If I had a ballot, I don't know if I'd have any Grizzlies on there, you know? Right. That's the thing where there's all very reasonable explanations for, for most of these award things. I mean, early in the year, I was poking a lot of fun, and we talked about this before, like the Ringer's Top 100 list, where like right. there was it was Bane and Ja and Jaron, but none of them were playing. And yet the right. Grizzlies had the second best record in the West. And I was like, is it a mystery to these people how the Grizzlies win games? And some of this has kind of bled over to like coach of the year discussion where I've right. seen a lot of consternation where it's like, why isn't Taylor Jenkins finishing top five, the coach of the year? You're like, well, because we won 56 games last year. That's right. just how coach of the year stuff works. It's like, Fair. it's not a reflection of who's the best coach. Greg Dana Popovich Pop basically got ignored every single year. It's always the narrative storyline. Mike Brown's clearly going to win. And beyond that, it's like you're just arguing over placing, and I don't know. I can't get worked up over. It. I do say I do think Taylor Jenkins should be more involved in that discussion. But if you want to look at it the other way, they had a five game regression from last year, right? Exactly. Yeah, they, they didn't hit the preseason uh, over win total over under whatever projection until like the last week of the season. You're not going right. to win the coach of the year usually. It's it's yeah. that simple. Um, but this matchup is one where everyone or a lot of people, a lot of media people are going to pick the Lakers and um, the Grizzlies are favorites in Vegas, but not huge favorites. I think they're like minus 130 betting favorites, which is not a lot. And so I am in a weird spot where maybe I've been really pessimistic about the Grizzlies since the Steven Adams injury and nothing that they've done on the court since the Steven Adams injury, including a nice little win streak ever made me change my mind. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever seen us be good. Uh, consistently uh, since this has happened, but also I've been doubting the Lakers basically all year. So I'm in a weird spot where I'm like, I don't really believe in either one of these teams. What is your, am I being too pessimistic about Argus's team slash what are your feel? I guess, general feelings about this matchup? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what your prediction is. And not that I, you know, whatever yeah. predictions, who cares? Like I, I wrote 2,300 words 
and the last three words are a prediction. And those are the three words I care least about of the 2300 I wrote. Yeah. Um, I think from, I believe, I believe in the offensive change that's happened. Yeah. I know it's a smaller sample and I know the schedule has not been super tough. I believe in some of the offensive change that's happened with the Grizzlies around the combination of adding Kennard and, and Jaron, Jaron's step forward, I think is, has, has made a real change to the Grizzlies as a half court offense. They were the 23rd half court offense last season. They were something like that. Most of this season, since the trade deadline, they were 11th again, there's some scheduling stuff there. But I do believe there's been some fundamental change in terms of the Grizzlies' ability to score and their shooting, the quality of shooting they put on the floor and the spacing they put on the floor. I do believe that's real, and I believe it is relevant to this series. I think the absence there, – there's some things about this matchup I like, but I think the, the Lakers are, are particularly well-suited to take advantage of the dual absence of Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. And I am I would I'm very concerned about Anthony Davis in this series. Yeah. Um I, I think, you know, my, my 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 two biggest concerns about the Grizzlies are sibling concerns. They're both related to front court physicality. One is fouls and one is rebounds. And, and, and it's those two things. And I worry about Anthony Davis wreaking havoc on both fronts, getting guys in foul trouble and just dominating the class. And that's my biggest concern. Yeah. One of the stats that I was a little bit surprised about when I dug into it was that the Grizzlies Points per possession in the half court been pretty solid recently. And yeah. that, that's obviously a thing we've highlighted all year. Talked about it all year. Talked about it coming into the year. Like this is a area of concern. They talked about it um, in their off season. Like this is a way we have to improve. And then you talk about the offensive changes post trade deadline. Also post Steven Adams injury. The Grizzlies are I believe it was seventh in three pointers made per game. And still some of that. I'm like, we played, we played the Rockets so many times. Yep. And so it's like, I don't know how much of that is uh, like, is, is that well, meaningful? Well, well, to me, this is one of the real questions. The Grizzlies three point offense has been very good post trade deadline. Yeah. Small sample, weaker schedule. The Lakers three point defense has been very good post trade line, right? Post trade deadline, smaller sample, weaker schedule. Which do you believe in more? Which is going to hold up more? I actually think because shooting tends to fluctuate. But Bain and Kennard are legit two of the best pure shooters in the league. Yeah. Like Jaron, I don't know. Dylan, I don't know. But like Bain and Kennard are that good as shooters. I tend to think the Grizzlies' positive shooting improvement is less luck driven than the Lakers' three point defense has been post trade deadline. They're fourth. Lakers are fourth in opponent three point percentage, and that's driven a lot of their number one defense post trade deadline. I think there's a lot of just good luck from from other teams' bad shooting in in right. in that match. Yeah, there was a good Ringer article by Zach Cram, uh, I believe it was yesterday, talking about yep. like, you know, the holes of, you know, one of my favorite obsessions, lineup data, right. and just like how much three-point shooting variance can change these things. And a lot of the good Lakers stats, including a Lakers stat I uncovered um, in doing my, my first Grizzlies-Lakers preview, was just like the net rating with LeBron and AD and any of their other t- like top 10 of the rotation, it's plus 20 points. Uh better than their opponent per 100 possessions. Now, some of that, I don't feel like a small sample size because like when the stats surprise me, I'm like, oh, okay. When I'm like, hey, you know what? AD and LeBron together, that should be good as long as you're not playing yeah. absolutely terrible players alongside them. So then, but then again, this Zach Cram article specifically mentioned this year, how the Lakers have had some pretty huge three-point shooting luck where they're shooting really uh, well from three and their opponents have not. So that's kind of calmed me down a little bit. 
Speaking to the Grizzlies having two elite shooters of all players in NBA history who've taken all at best. least yep. yeah, who've taken at least 53 pointers in the playoffs. I'm going to do the less uh, arbitrarily defined one that I did on Twitter for propaganda retweets and likes. Um it just all players who've taken 50 playoff threes uh, Desmond Bain is second all time in three point percentage at 49%, and Luke Kennard is eighth. So, like, those guys can shoot, and um, we hope they will be consistent and it'll carry over this post treadline three point shooting, trade deadline three point shooting. I mean, last year, last year after the trade deadline, Grizzlies killed everybody, made tons of threes. It was like the same thing. Right, right. They didn't. They didn't change their roster. We had we had Melton making four threes a game, like six or eight, seven or eight straight games in a row. They averaged almost thirteen made threes post trade deadline last year. Then we get to the postseason, and it's all of a sudden like, all right, this is not a strength of ours. It was more of a regular season mirage. So a lot of that still kind of feeds into my. I don't know if I trust anything that happens in March and well, April. In the I mean. NBA. No, I, I agree with that. But again, I, I think I think the shooting skill for those two guys is a proven it's proven skill. Yes, good shooters. I mean, de- a couple of years ago, Desmond Bain went like oh for seventeen in a stretch. So you, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. never count on that. But those guys are proven shooters. And to your point, they've they've done it in the playoffs. And I I, I had not looked at the context of where that ranked, but it, it, in my preview, I did note you know Desmond Bain forty nine percent career playoff three point shooter now in seventeen games. Like he's done this, and I think the Lakers matchup. While I have concerns in the front court, you know, yeah. in terms of the fouling, in terms of the rebounding, I think when you shift to the to the other to, to the backcourt area, I, I, I think they're going to have a hard time containing a John Morant, Desmond Bain backcourt. And I think this is a series where Luke Kennard's deficiencies are not going to be exposed as much as they might in other matchups. I'm not That's as worried point. about him getting hunted the way I might in some other matchups, you know, against the golden state or whatever. I'd be more concerned maybe with Kennard holding up this Lakers team. I, I think, I think he's going to be able to play and they're going to need him to play. I think, I think Kennard and Tillman are going to play a lot and be really, really important in this series. Both of them. I think it's a great point about this being a, a matchup where hopefully Kennard doesn't get hunted too much because the Lakers depend on their offense, you know, um, LeBron and AD, and they don't really have like the. I mean, maybe would if you're Darvin Ham, you're like Lonnie Walker. I'm gonna play Lonnie Walker. Now. Right, right. Go, go, just score on Luke Kennard. Because, like you said, like if we're playing, if we advance and we're playing the Warriors or the Kings, we're gonna have flashbacks. For me, it's like, oh, um, Jordan Poole. Anytime he's in the game and Luke Kennard's in the game, Jordan Poole's gonna go get a bucket and he's gonna score yeah. constantly. This is shades of. Uh, Jordan Clarkson against Grayson Allen and the the right. Jazz series a few years ago, where it's um, like, yeah, uh, guys, we can't play Grayson Allen. Like <laughs> Jordan Clarkson's averaging thirty a game. Uh, if you want to get upset, look at Desmond Bain's shooting percentages in that Jazz series. He was awesome and barely played. Um, right. No, uh, I, I I do take comfort in that and the fact that like you know the Lakers are going to have just just tons of trouble uh, stopping the Grizzlies. One, they're um, Bain and Morant in the backcourt, and also they're not going to be able to attack Kennard's weakness, and they don't have particular length from their guards. Like, I don't think he's going to be yeah. bothered. Um, this is another thing where, like, the problem with playing Ja and Bain and Kennard together is on defense, we can't bother other shooters. Luckily, the Lakers aren't good at shooting, so I like all I, that. I, I also, if, if this series goes six or seven games, yeah. I think it's Fairly, you know, if not likely, that's a good chance of that. Good right? chance. If this is a long series, 
I like the Grizzlies, and even though their depth is not is what it could be with the injuries they've had. I like the Grizzlies in terms of a long series, in terms of the fatigue factor, uh, the potential for injury relative to LeBron and Davis versus the Grizzlies stars, and the fact that Taylor Jenkins has done this before and Darvin Ham has not. And you know, you saw yeah. a lot. You saw last season. You know, Grizzlies lose game one against Minnesota. And they work their way to a victory in a long series by figuring stuff out. I think the Grizzlies have more of an ability to figure stuff out. And I think the fatigue issues, which as you get later in the series, is going to be a little bit less rest between games. These first two games, just like the two games, you know, all that stuff. Your, your joke you made on Twitter, which we laughed about on, on, on radio, me and Jeff, about, you know, they consulted LeBron's medical team on the rest. That oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. They, maybe they did. Yeah. <laughs> but as, as you get into games you know, three, four, five, six, seven, that becomes yep. less of a thing. And so I think, you know, if it ends up being a long series, I think the Lakers only win in a long series. And they may well win in a long series, but they yep. only win in a long series. I think some of those fatigue issues and some of those coaching issues become more, a little bit more in Grizzlies' favor. Yeah. Just thinking back to what you said early in this episode about how, when you when you mentioned this, the Timberwolves series again, I was reminded. Yeah, like, it is good to not, you know, maybe be overwhelming favorites against the Lakers just as a fan to be like, all right, we're, we're in a spot where it's good to have some people doubting you because I remember last year against the Timberwolves, that series yeah. was misery, just misery. Oh. Every single game was like, we're going to lose to the Timberwolves. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we're coming off this 56 win season and we're going to get upset as the two seed. And like, they, they, and it was won. always just relief. Like, oh my gosh, they, we won. But that it was, was a miserable. Weird, it was a wild series because the Grizzlies won in six, not seven. They won in six, but they played from behind the yeah. entire series to win. To win, you know. I mean, you you can room. spin that series so many funny ways. Yeah. We're like uh, the Grizzlies won in six, and the two games the Timberwolves won, they barely won. Well, you know, I whatever. Think, <laughs> and not that I'm trying to prep people or whatever, yeah. but I think there's a very good chance that like the Lakers take one of these first two games in Memphis, and that it's a split in the first two. Um, are we going to are we going to do the memorial lose game one at home? The Taylor Jenkins. I don't lose, know. I don't know. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying there's a good chance of that. There's a decent chance that happens. Yeah. And to me, that is not a death knell for the Grizzlies. To me, no. I, I look at that and I say this is a six or seven game series if that happens. Yeah. I agree. Um, you mentioned thinking Xavier Tillman's going to play a lot. I think Xavier Tillman's going to play a lot. I don't think they're going to screw around with like a Luke Kennard starting lineup. I think you have to start. Oh, 100%. You have to start the traditional uh, Tillman in the place of Adams. I was wondering, I'm curious what you think Tillman, about this. Tillman's going to play 30 plus minutes in this series. That's I what I think. And yeah. I was, do you agree? My idea is, is Tillman just going to mirror Anthony Davis's minutes? Like almost I, always, if he comes out, all right, now we can try some small ball uh, or, or smaller um, ball. I, but I, I think you will see them in spots and maybe they wait till late. Yeah, go with the the small lineup with Davis on the floor. But what I is the small? Think, you mean the Canard with a like Brooks at the four? Yes, yes. I I think you will see that with with Davis on the floor at times in this series. But I think they will be judicious about deploying that. Here, um, here's a question that maybe you have a better grasp on, uh, being closer and more plugged in. Are there any Aldama injury concerns? This is something I don't know anything about. He's wearing a compression sleeve on the you know he injured that elbow the yeah. next to last game or whatever game it was. I mean, I think the long layoff is good for him there. He's wearing the compression sleeve. Taylor Jenkins said he's he's good to go. And and so whether okay. that's going to impact his play, we'll have to wait and see. But there's no there's no sense that he's not going to be available. Yeah. I mean, my thought is, yes, I, I think Tillman is going to have the yeoman's uh, task of being the one on AD most of the time. But I do like our Jaron and Aldama 
front court pairing. And I think it, it's, it's a, it's a strength of the Grizzlies, especially if they try to pack the paint in more, uh, if that's the Lakers decision on defense to go under everything. And like, if you have, if you have Jaron and Santi like four or five, and then everybody else on the perimeter for the Grizzlies should be able to shoot just fine. I think, uh, that, that could be an advantage for, uh, for the Grizz. Well, I mean, I mean, Aldama and Roddy, and I would even say Conchar because he, he he did nothing last year in the playoffs. Yeah, Th- those are three players who who have zero proven nothing in playoff basketball. Oh, agreed. And the Grizzlies are looking at a seven man rotation if you do not include those. Yeah, and well, I-, I think you get to a point in the playoffs where you're playing a seven man rotation that happens, but you don't because over the course of the playoffs, it's sort of partly an exercise in throwing stuff overboard, right, to keep the yeah. to keep the ship from sinking. And you're throwing cargo over and just to keep stay afloat. You don't want to be doing that in game one. Yeah. You don't want to get into a game one and say, "Oh, well, I guess we can't play Roddy." You know, you and so to me, that's a real mystery. That that's another concern for the Grizzlies. They need at least one of those two guys. I think Roddy and Aldama to be I, able to give them good minutes. My thought is, even though he's unproven, you can't. I don't think you can shorten the rotation to include to exclude Aldama. Like, no, I agree. You know, like I'm not, I'm not going to play the jump. <laughs> you know, I'm like, saying over the course of the playoffs, yeah. you do what you're forced to do. But like, you know, yeah. you're planning to play Aldama. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, maybe s- some of that rotation. We'll do it after this short break. Students, cheer on your Memphis Grizzlies with us at FedEx Forum. Don't miss limited Big River Steel student playoff ticket pricing for the Big River Steel Edge, providing you with affordable tickets to experience every towel-waving moment of the 2023 playoffs presented by Orion and your Mid-South Ford dealers. Sign up today to get alerts about this exclusive ticket deal at grizzlies.com slash students. So, Chris, I listened to your podcast with Drew, uh, the Daily Memphians Grizzlies podcast. Um, that was before the season was over, and you were talking about how Conchar's strong game against the Bucks and playing way more minutes than Roddy did. Wondering if that was, um, you know, maybe going to be what they went with in the playoffs. And I said on my Grizzlies preview uh, two episodes yeah. ago uh, that if I was the coach, I think, I think I would pick Conchar over Roddy because I think Conchar is such a superior rebounder and maybe we won't need the more is he? threat. I He's, think I, I, think I don't so. think that I don't think the numbers this season support that. I feel yeah. like I haven't looked at it lately. I feel like Conchar's re Conchar Conchar's supernatural rebounding ability did not yeah. carry over to this season as much as it has in the so past. The um the cleaning the glass numbers for rebound percentage yeah. Conchar still crushes him on offensive rebounding okay. and All defensive right. rebounding. Um, and again, like the only exception I would make would be uh, we need Roddy's strength and size because no, 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 he's I gonna agree. probably have to guard LeBron. And I don't want to see Conchar uh, guarding LeBron once. I think your instinct as a coach, most coaches are instinct in that choice is going to be to go to Conchar. Okay, because he's because I think because he's the veteran because you know, I, but Roddy. Up until that game, it had been trending the other way. I yes. I had been tracking over the last like three weeks of the season. I had been tracking game by game the Roddy Conchar minutes. I was very curious about that. I wrote about that at one point. It was like of the last twelve games, Roddy's played more than ten out of twelve. Right? Yeah. Some yeah. of those, it was like you know twenty three minutes to twenty one. You know, so it wasn't like big differences. But Roddy had been playing more, 
And when Dylan Brooks missed his game with, for the technical suspension, they started Roddy. They did not start Conchar. Yep. So it seemed like it had gone the other way. But when Conchar both played more and played very well in that Milwaukee game, and that Milwaukee game, to me, in a lot of ways, felt like a little bit of a test run. That's where they started yep. the small lineup, to me, with the knowledge of, we're going to use this in the playoffs. Let's get a long look at it here. And so I don't know what they're going to win. They roll the, maybe they'll play both. Maybe he'll play a nine-man rotation. He, I, in fact, I bet he probably does. I bet they both get in the game in the first half against in game one against the Lakers. Well, that's uh, that'd be ten, right? So we got we got Tyus Kennard, uh, Aldama off the bench. That's our eight man rotation. Oh, so that then, would be ten. No, you're right. Be, I so I don't think he's going to play both. I think no, you're right. You're right. He's not going to play both. And so, okay. um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I I guess I would bet Conchar right now for first shot. That's kind of that's kind of how Seniority. I feel too. Especially if they can if they can steal the minutes when LeBron's on the bench. If it isn't. I mean, honestly, in the in the Lakers play-in game, they had a they had a truly garbage lineup uh, on the court. Well, to that, start that's the a good point. If they do have foul issues that alter their rotation yeah. with Brooks or Jackson, yeah. to me, that's that's an opening for Roddy because even though he's a rookie and you you don't relish him in some of those matchups, physically, he's better able, better equipped for that. If you have to throw somebody on LeBron, and your choice is John Concha or Roddy for three minutes. I think you're going Roddy in that in that, in that choice. Yeah. So what are I haven't I read? Think, you. I think I think Tillman is going to spend some time on LeBron. Yeah, I think so too. I've I've also said that where like when Dylan's not guarding him, if uh, if AD's out, we're definitely because you've see seen him. them in some of these late games like guarding Kawhi, right? Yeah. I mean, that was also right. a little bit of a test drive. Yeah. Um, I haven't read your preview yet. What are uh, can you share with us? Maybe some. What, what are some takeaways? What are maybe some key stats or areas of uh, confidence and or concern? you have for this matchup dude i don't remember any of this stuff so so <laughs> I, I um yeah so we talked about some of it we talked about the the um so not everything is purely matchup oriented i talked about sort of john jaron both in the spotlight and this sort of be a big series for them yeah not just in terms of winning and losing but in terms of sort of how you conceive their careers right um the um the fouls and the free throw stuff we all know this but but it's still worth saying and we're, we're, we're pointing out the lakers are like near the top, if not at the top, and generating free throws. Yeah. Um, their free throw rate, um, their free throw differential, I think, is the best in the league. But more more hyper-specifically, LeBron and Davis are both top 25 in the NBA in free throw attempts per game. Jaron, who I think is second, and Dylan, who's 11th, are two of the most foul-prone players in the game. And on one level, the Grizzlies, I think, are well-positioned to guard the Lakers because their two best defenders essentially play the same position as the Lakers the two scores they really depend yes. on. And so that's the, that is a good matchup situation for the Grizzlies unless the foul stuff disrupts that, which it might in a major way. You know, I think the rebounding, I, the the defensive rebounding for the Grizzlies against Davis and whether that gets mitigated by the three-point shooting, this the whole, like, to me, it flips the script. The Grizzlies used to be, we're going to lose on threes, we're going right. to win on the boards. Right. And now it's sort of gone the other way around. And the other thing I wonder about is like just how real the Lakers defense is and whether the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies best defenders essentially play the same positions as the Lakers best scorers, it's not true the other way around. And so I think, I think this is a big Jarrett Shaw series. It's a big Bain series. And I think Bain, who's flying under the radar a little bit, even for me and what I wrote, like highlighting, you know, John Jaron in terms of what it means for them. I think Bain could be the difference maker in this series. Yeah. Do you, 
I agree with all that. And, and honestly, that's like my initial thought was like, uh, you know, I have my I have my concerns about our Grizzlies team. I'm still very scarred by just like one random Bulls second half where we were playing our best players and we were like the worst team I've ever, you know, we lost but the half by 36. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, this is, uh, th- I don't know. Maybe I went into that to be like, we're actually playing a team that's trying to make the playoffs and is going to be in the play-in and it's a road game and we're terrible on the road. So let's see what we can do. Well, and then that, I was that like, Bulls, oh my goodness. And so that like, that's team that really that scarred team, me. That Bulls team was playing well late and they had something to play for. And we just saw them go into Miami and win. I think there's a good chance they're going to, oh no, they went into a, where did they win? They went somewhere and won. They won, they, they, they beat Toronto. the Raptors behind when, they went in Toronto and, screaming. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. they are. The hero. Yeah. They yeah. went in Toronto and won. I think there's a good chance they go into Miami and win. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, uh, maybe I attach too much weight to this because I'm like, we've been playing garbage teams. We never get a chance to like actually match up with the team on the road who's trying who's who's okay and they they it was another like second half collapse and so maybe I'm overly scarred um by that game but I agree with all the stuff you said like they don't have the guys to guard our best players outside of Jaron like AD can guard Jaron but like it, Bain and Morant should eat and like I feel like we match up pr- pretty well um in what ways this is not logical or correct in what ways Chris uh, does the Grizzlies' own playoff history affect your feelings or predictions? Because I got to say, it sways mine heavily. Oh, really? It doesn't really Here's, sway here, mine at well, all. Well, I, me, I'm interested. Yeah. Well, I'll just say this has nothing to do with my prediction. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I'm glad to see. I'm interested in like um, the sort of Grizzlies' playoff history from a more of a fan perspective and like NBA fan perspective of they've never played the Lakers before. And so you check yeah. it off the list, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, here, here, let's see if you can do this real quick. What are the four Western teams that never played in the playoffs now? Now that the Lakers are checked off the list, there's four left. Like there's only four teams they haven't played in the playoffs? In the West. Oh, we're, but right. Um, well, they've never been to the finals. Yeah. They haven't played the Kings. Kings, yep. Um, you get that in the second round. They haven't played the no. They have. Let's see. They've they played the Mavericks. They played the yep. Suns. Uh, yep. We've played the Trailblazers. We played the Warriors. We've played the yep. Clippers. Um, we haven't played a version of. Why am I so bad at this? All right. So the Kings, which they yeah. could get in the second round, right? The Nuggets, they could get in the conference oh, of course. finals. Yeah. Um, the Pelicans and the Rockets. There you go. So I like a new matchup. I, I like, like a new, a new, I like New Jersey's to see in a playoff game on you know in FedEx Forum. The so funniest thing that has no bearing on my predictions. The 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 Grizzlies Suns series, I have no memories whatsoever, and I don't know why. I, I like there's a there's a chance I was like maybe traveling outside of the country back then or like like that specific series, but like I remember every playoff series the Grizzlies ever played, and I know. I mean, like, I, I've looked at the box was, scores and stats, and I've been like, that I don't was remember the, any of these games. So, like, maybe was I was the, traveling or something. That was the third one, right? Mavs was the second, and the Suns was the third. I think that's right. That's that's another great question. It was, it was Spurs first in that, that, that first three years. It was Spurs first. That was I think it was middle. I think it was Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you said? Spurs, Suns, and then... I thought uh, it was Mavericks. Spurs. I thought, thought, I thought it was Mavs. I don't middle. remember. Maybe it was Mavs late. I think it was Mavs. It must have been Mavs late because I remember Chucky Atkins in that series. I was in Australia for the Mavs series. I watched those games at like they 10 in the morning. They were short-lived. They were short-lived. Um, no, here's, here's the way that my, uh, my 20 year Grizzlies fandom affects the, the playoff thought is every year we were good. Like this, the, the grit and grind era were pretty good. We would have like, Oh, a great playoff run, man. If things just went one bounce here, if OJ Mayo hadn't fouled out yeah. in double overtime against the thunder. And then it's like, Triple. whoever it was 
we were like the Mavs won this, the title that year. We were so close, you know, or whatever. Like we were so close one bounce. And then we right. have like the Warriors, you know, the, the, the 2013 one where it's like, oh man, if Mike Conley doesn't break his face and Tony Allen doesn't pull his hamstring, we're just a couple breaks away, but it always goes. My history was we were really good. Then the follow-up season, big letdown. We lose in the first round. Seven game series, you know, like we lost to the Clippers in seven, we lost to the Thunder in seven. Uh, and it was always so it's always been like in every other year thing. And now I'm looking at last year. I'm like, man, if Ja doesn't get hurt, if Bain isn't banged up right. against the Warriors, if Dylan isn't suspended, if Steven Adams is playing, but we're now in the year after, and it feels like in the regular season felt like a year after, where it's like, oh man, we're dealing with all these injuries, we're having some bad injury luck. And so because of that. My history of Grizzlies fandom, I'm now like, I'm less confident, even though it makes no sense and nothing so, uh, is related to anything. Couple, couple of, of different thoughts, but both are related. Both yeah. you bring to mind. Um, in terms of Grizzlies playoff history, yeah. if, if they beat the Lakers, yeah. they will do something that has never been done in franchise history, Just win. which is <laughs> which which is advanced two years in a row. Right. Yeah. There, there's yeah. never been consecutive years of playoff advancement. Right. So so if they do that, they will break new ground. Even the even if they lose in the second round again, it's the two seed, which would be, you know, underperforming your seed. That will be a kind of step forward for the franchise history because the, the Grizzlies have never advanced two years in a row. So there is that. Um, there's an opportunity here to your point. This could, this will, this could be another one of those years, unless the Suns are a total juggernaut, which right. they may, they may be right. It's possible, but unless that happens, whoever doesn't break those, they'll look up and say, well, we could have broken through this year. Cause that's yes. the way the West is. Yeah. And one of the points I made, I didn't use this phrasing on one of my coworkers, like Slack being said, I'm, I'm glad you said the Grizzlies were a week two seed. I didn't use the phrase. They're a week two seed, but I illustrated that they are a week two seed. Yes. And 51 wins, I think it's a 622 winning percentage. I went, I was I happened to be on the ESPN tab. So so they ESPN page, their tabs go back 20 years. I didn't go back any further than that. 20 years is enough to illustrate the point. The Grizzlies at 51 wins, 622 winning percentage, record-wise, is the weakest West two seed of the past 20 years. Yes. They led the Western Conference in point differential at plus point plus 3.9. That is the weakest leading point differential in the Western Conference of the last 20 years. They're a week two seed. Denver's a week one seed. Kings are probably a week three seed. It's a weird West, man. It's a it's flat in terms of quality and separation. And so, you know, it, 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 they, so the point being that they're very capable of losing, including in the first round. They're also very capable of going on a deep run. I think this West, unless unless the Suns are just a juggernaut, almost anything could happen in this West. Yeah, I'm gonna say like there's there's other years you know where where the Grizzlies. What they they won fifty games or so in the regular season, and they were the sixth seed, and they were you know <laughs> they were they, they were I think they were the four or fifth four or five seed one year where they won fifty six. Yeah, there was that there was that I believe the year the Hawks won sixty games, the year that yeah. that every Hawks starter was the player of the month. The Hawks would have finished fourth in the Southwest Division. Like it was like the Spurs, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies all had 56 wins and up. The Pelicans might've had like 50 that year or 48 or something. It was like there's, the Hawks I, would have lost so many games that they played in a different division. I, I think if Cleveland, which is the four seed in the East had played yep. in the West all season, Cleveland would be the one seed in the West. I don't know if I agree, but I, uh, I like the premise of the thought. I think, I think that, that, that that's, that's fair to say. Um, Let's let's wrap up. I'll say that I've right. been I've been waffling. I'm picking the Grizzlies, although I have a lot of concerns. It's more that I think that the Lakers are are I think the Lakers are less impressive than I think the Grizzlies are less impressive. And I'm with you. We're like, uh, I don't think we're a strong two seed. Like we're not even a 51 team 
a 51 win team still in my mind because we don't have Steven Adams. So right. we're like, we're less than a 51 win team. Um, so I, I think it's gonna be a close series. I worry about the Grizzlies, um, losing leads late. I worry about them yep. making whatever 10 threes in the first half, getting up 15 and then it all, uh, fritters away. I, I think I'm going like Grizzlies in six or seven. Um, you can change from what you even put in your column, Chris. I don't care. Yeah, And so, and so I, I sort of think of it as the range, the reasonable range, right? Yeah. And to me on one end, it's Grizzlies and five. That's the best case scenario for the Grizzlies is Grizzlies yeah. and five. Yeah. I think the best case scenario for the Lakers is Lakers and six. Okay. And so my initial prediction was going to be Grizzlies and six. And then I thought this team's going to close out a series on the road. Really? Um, <laughs> so I, changed, I changed it to Grizzlies yeah. and yeah. seven. Um, I think the Grizzlies have a higher upside in the series. If somebody wins, wins, wins in like five games, it's going to be the Grizzlies to me, not the Lakers. But I, I, I you know, I think the Grizzlies are winning the series unless the Anthony Davis dominate the boards, get your guys in foul trouble thing is a major, major factor in multiple games. And yeah. you know what? It might be a major, major factor in multiple games. Well, so the problem with the Grizzlies where it's like, I think, and this is obvious, and I think everyone's correctly pointing this out, even if it angers and upsets Grizzlies fans. Like, if Jaron is not on the court, yep, it's bad. Yes. Just period. And, like, best, I feel like best-case scenario, Jaron's going to be off the court for 10 minutes every game. So, oh, like, yeah, well, at least, yeah. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Best-case yeah. scenario, right, right, right. we only yes. play 10 minutes without Jaron every game. Well, this is why, while Jaron may be the most important player in the series, Tillman is really, really important. Like so, Xavier yeah. Tillman, like, who was not even in the rotation until like Steven Adams or Brandon Clark got hurt, is enormously important for the Grizzlies in the series. No margin of error. Yeah. Like there's, there's no margin of error in the Grizzlies front court. And that part of it makes me like uh, all the stuff we talk about matchups wise, always all the stuff we talk about where the stats the Grizzlies have an advantage. That's all true, except for the fact if Jaron only plays 30 minutes or less, it's going to be quite hard. I feel like for the Grizzlies to win the series. And I keep coming back to that. And yeah, uh, no, I, I think it is a problem. I, my hope, I think it is, it's just frank, frankly, it, it will be a problem. Yeah. My hope is that it is not a problem that decimates the t decimates things. Right. And that Ja and Dez go off in this series. I think Ja and Dez can go off in this. Yeah, series. I agree. I agree. Um, and Kenneth Alton Jr. is not going to play. Uh, not no. mop up duty, but other hopefully we, we get some positive mop up duty. But other otherwise, I don't see him out there. Yeah. Well, Chris, thanks so much uh, for coming on. Always a pleasure talking. Everybody, go check out Chris's stuff and uh, Drew's stuff uh, over at the Daily Memphian and listen to the Daily Memphian podcast. And uh, Chris will uh, looks like we're gonna see each other um, in person. We're gonna hang out in Memphis. We'll hang out in Los Angeles. We're That'd doing awesome. It. Thanks, buddy. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.